wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we. What? Yeah. Shut up. The podcast is starting. Jesus Christ. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Celluloid Breakdown. It's the show where we watch old movies and break them down. I'm Joey Bonnier. (laughs) To the right of me is Sean Faw. Across the table, we got Tim Snow. Hey-o. Hey-o is right. We are brought together here. Yes. For another episode, we watched... I gathered everybody together today, uh, and we watched... Daily Beloved. We watched Kiss of Death. I forgot the title of the movie for a moment. This was your pick. This movie was fucking forgettable okay um let's uh let's say who directed this movie yeah henry hathaway uh-huh and uh my question which remains unanswered yet is uh any relation to Anne? <laughs> i don't know that's a pretty common aren't name. they all related yeah. maybe all clan right but uh yeah joey what do you think about this movie um i did N- not well, to be clear, this is not the Nicolas Cage version. version uh, right, yeah. This yeah. is 1947. They're going to see it. They clicked on the podcast. Yeah. You can click on New put the York Noir. <laughs> you know what you're getting into. Yeah. Okay. Technically. <laughs> um, I did not enjoy this film. <laughs> this film was a bit slow. Uh, a bit. It did not have a lot of depth Things. to it. <laughs> it was pretty simple, and I was kind of bored. Um, John, what'd you think of this film? Fucking painful. Like, yeah. Exclamation point. Yeah. Um, I mean, oh, geez. Like, yeah, the. Okay. Okay. That's, that's fair. Uh, Tim, what, what's your first impression of this film? It was, uh, you know, there were, there were some moments that I thought were actually pretty well done. There were actually, there were two specifically. (laughs) You know, there were just there were two moments where it, where it was just I was I was taken in by the suspense of the moment. Sure, uh, I, no, I I think actually this yeah, movie does do a few nice but, things. But yeah, this movie was just a fucking fight to sit through awake. Yeah, like it just it <laughs> it's not very late at night, and it feels very late at night because of this movie. Yeah, yeah. slog. It's yeah, it just takes a lot out of you. It's a drainer. It's a lot of work for very little plot, if that makes sense. Yeah. The, the, the pauses mean nothing, and they abound. There's, yeah, what's funny is I usually love those pauses. Me too. I love those dramatic pauses because exactly. it's different than the crazy movies, especially the crazy shit that we were forced to just watch. The Rise well, of like Skywalker. Woman in the Dunes? Oh, Rise of Skywalker I just mean, that is great. That is an epileptic seizure of a shock it's just one I scene after another, it. another, another, another. Don't think about the plot. Don't think about how crazy this is. Just, just keep going. Just keep going. Just keep going. Look at this. Look, Chewbacca's dead. Oh my god. Yeah. No, he's not. Oh my god. Mm. No spoilers. This okay. was the opposite, but it was still no bad. spoilers. You ass. I said one. <laughs> Who cares? The point is that <laughs> this is absolutely the opposite of the Rise of Skywalker. It is Foghorn to you and a Leghorn. Okay. Also, Rise of Skywalker was pretty good. Was it? I like are, are you really taking this? Bent? You're gonna yeah, go. You're gonna die it, on this hill. It's fine. Huh? I won't die on the hill. I'll rest upon it. I, let's, let's. I said it was fine, and then I just don't care. Like 
it's, yeah, it was it's fun. a fine ending. It was like, fun. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was it's, it's it was kind of ending. shot for shot. No, it's not like good, the but... whole the whole trilogy was just a rehash of the original trilogy as kind of a like a a taste tester for the Star Wars expanded universe that Disney has planned out. It was I think. a dick measuring contest between Rain and JJ. A little bit, yeah. I don't know if that's Ryan. quite true. Rain. Rian? I don't know if it's all I mean to Boil it down to that, I think, is too simple. It is, absolutely. But, oh God, why are we talking about Star Wars? <laughs> it's Kathleen Kennedy, guys. You know why we're talking about no, Star, Wars? Star Wars? Because just- this movie was so boring. <laughs> there was so little that happened. And uh, okay. speaking of what happened, yeah, let's, let's, let's what recap. Happen? Let's, let's recap. That. Let's recap. What was this movie about? <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> the last Jedi. So, no, no, no. <laughs> Victor Mature is the uh, is the lead in this film. Is it mature or mature? The, I have no idea. I guess it's you know that's allegorical. That's for every mature. every person to decide for themselves. I, I think it's for that's, that's a vague Knight's Tale reference. Um, but <laughs> thank you. Is that the King Arthur rock music? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Everyone's going to get it. I watched that while I was home over Christmas. There were a few oh, choices for entertainment. Did they play Queen songs when they lanced people? I'm pretty sure. Uh, yeah. yeah. They open up on We Will Rock You. Yeah. Of yeah. It's great. The uh, the guitar solo, uh, Brian May's guitar solo, is played through a trumpet. <laughs> it's amazing. It's quite good. Um, but, uh, either way, all things that are better than this movie aside, um, <laughs> Victor Mature is a jewel thief named Nick Bianco that is serving his time being a good guy. He's not a stoolie, but then his wife whacks herself and to save his children. It's a PG uh, show. What? Keep going. She commits suicide. It's a PG show? No, it's not. She was also raped by... You know who else whacked themselves? <laughs> Eric Clapton's kid's dead. Oh, Jesus way. Christ. Um, so uh, wow. Nick Bianco... You're going to have to try harder if we're going to let yeah. you keep doing that. No, I gotta, so I'm, I'm just trying to squeeze him in at, like before 10 minutes when we actually got listeners. Um, Good one. Uh, so he's doing his time in Sing Sing. His wife dies. He... To save his kids, starts rolling over on his cohorts from the jewel heist that he got arrested for. Uh, and despite the efforts of him and the DA, uh, the uh, Tommy Udo, Udo, his uh, nemesis, this crazy criminal guy, <laughs> goes free. Yeah, the Joker goes free. Killer of old women. Um, <laughs> killer of old women. <clears throat> Goes free, and that puts Bianco and his wife and his kids in this criminal sites, and he has to resolve everything. And this takes I, I, how long is this film? Too long. Way too long. Yeah. No, yeah. Like, but minute. Too wise. long minutes. One hour forty one minutes. So yeah. that's that's fair. That's like over. Yeah. Wow. Actually, it's almost two and a half hours. That's. I'm impressed that we got I through. I cannot it. believe that this movie is that fucking long. It's a lot. Did you it's, say one hour forty five minutes is almost two and a half hours? That's not it. <laughs> That's not how math works. <laughs> we'll move on. Either way. So okay, let's <laughs> let's talk about. <laughs> so the story is a film noir. Um, it's forty seven, <sighs> so it's a pretty early film noir. Um, 
I think, Tim, do you think that it's, what, what are characteristics of it that make it a noir? Uh, it's, you know, there, there really aren't a whole lot of normal characteristics that make this a noir. Um, other than like, it's a dark storyline. I also, to be, jump in, I didn't think there was a lot of mystery. About crime. Say, say again? I didn't think there was a lot of mystery. There wasn't like anyone, it wasn't like anyone, oh, I wonder who it is, or it's this person, not this person. Yeah, no, not really. It was just kind of a- We always knew the bad guy was. Yeah, it was, it was just a crime tale, sort it, of. Yeah, uh, if anything, it was more like a Scorsese movie, where like this guy knew he had to kind of sacrifice himself the whole time. He knew he had to be squealed the whole time for the sake of his family, yeah, and he was always going to die. But he was a dick for the first half of the movie, though. So just well, to- uh, I don't know about trying to redeem himself. Yeah, I guess so. To go uh, third grade presentation here, uh, Britannica defines uh, <laughs> film noir as a style of filmmaking categorized by such elements as cynical heroes, stark lighting effects, frequent use of flashbacks, intricate plots, and an underlying existential existentialist philosophy. The genre was uh, prevalent mostly in American crime dramas of the post-World War II era. Checks all those boxes. Um, No flashbacks. Flash forward. Mm, They just jump forward. In time. Four years. But that's not a flash forward. Flash forward would imply we come back back. to regular time. Good point. We just... Skip a whole shitload of time. Still, all right. Well, it's got four out of five of those. Whatever. So, <clears throat> but being a film, yeah. being a film that won, because uh, Richard Widmark won an Academy Award for something for this movie. Well, I spoiler think. for our game coming up. But we don't usually do supporting, but good. That's <laughs> true. Oh well, sorry. Uh, right on. Either way, like, do you guys think that this movie was historically significant in any way, shape, or form? Well, I think you're you're alluding to the fact that Udo or Vidmark mm-hmm. was influential. Sure was. Yeah. Um, I think this movie- He was influenced by the Joker That's well. true too. I think, yeah, it's both. Yeah, I think he has a specific place. Absolutely. I think he watched the Joker and- He, he like Where? read the comics. Where would he was. have watched the Joker? No, he read the had. comics. That, well, I was, uh, Joey specifically said watch. So I don't like, know. Maybe, uh, yeah, Joey right. misspoke. He yeah, often misspoke. does that. Was the, was, no, they didn't have the really What was Batman a radio play like, like <laughs> Superman Actually, was? I wouldn't be surprised if it was. But it could have been. It could have been a teleplay. I don't know. Yeah, you're right. It's probably, the, yeah, it's got to be a comic. I think Joey probably just misspoke. Yeah, I just said I did. Yeah, Joey's really fallible. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> <That's what I'm laughs> <doing>. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so um let's talk about besides we, before we get to him actually let's talk about the main character um yeah nick, victor mature yeah nick uh nick Bronco, bianco. bianco nick bianco um an anti-hero for sure yeah i think he is cynical um obviously he's uh, in jail for being a jewel jewel thief when we first meet him we kind of follow him through the the actual burglary. Yeah, that's how we get introduced to a lot of the characters. I actually liked that opening. I thought it was pretty good. It was strong. It was quite well done. It was probably one of the better parts of the movie. Because we're with the character, we follow his like dead eyes through the kind of thing. We see kind of his very little music in that scene. Yeah, I, I liked the sitting and the, in, the with elevator him. scene. Yeah, the the rising tension in that was really well done. Yeah, I did agree. I did um, agree. But uh, man, swinging a miss for the rest of it. Yeah. 
I just think you're right. It was almost like too much of a good thing when they kept with the dramatic <clears throat> pauses, the, the awkward moments. Some of them did were fine, but I just think that it, you you immediately thrown into this action. Oh my God, it's a thriller. We were going on a burglary and the rest is like, oh, he's sitting in jail talking to lawyers. Yeah. And then we get a fine, final scene with some action, but it really is just a lot of setup. Um, it needed more of a middle point, like, you know, where he really does lose everything. It seemed like all he did was had to, his family just had to go away. Yeah. Yeah. His wife killed himself. His wife kills herself. But, that's, that's, but like, he, even that's early. It's, you know? I mean, he also doesn't process that. The well, way yeah, I his big moment. Lame. He just starts dating the nanny. The well, he, he dates her and then he marries her in the next scene and then they're yeah, living exactly. happily ever after. Yeah. Uh, or they have been married in the next scene forever. This and she's just like, jumps. I always wanted this. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So ever since I was a little girl. Yeah. yeah. Yes, that she did Jesus. say that. She quote, that's Sean quoting the movie. Yeah. Yikes. Let's talk about her for a quick second. Um, I forget. I'm going to look her up. But what did you think about uh, her character, Tim? She, uh, her performance was fine, actually. Colleen uh, Gray as Nettie. Colleen Gray. I, I actually really enjoyed her performance. I thought that uh, her, like, I, I was just, you know, maybe this is just me being a uh, judgmental viewer, but uh, her age gap with him was... Yeah, you really had a problem with that. It was too great to be believed. Or like, how like old, okay. How old do you think she was? She looked well. First of all, in the story, it's Character. believed that she's nineteen at the most. She could be a little older. She's a nanny. Oh, I thought she was like nineteen. I thought she was late teens. She could be and early twenties. He 20s. was like forty. Mm. You think he's forty? Okay. Yeah, I thought it was like some uh, American beauty shit. I thought she was quite a bit older than that. Uh, yeah, no, she probably was in real life, but, uh, I think in the movie it was just kind of understood she was younger than that, or at least maybe that's just how I took it. Regardless, that bothered me a little bit. Okay. Uh, I, it didn't I bother me. Wrong. It didn't bother me because I thought she was a little bit later in her years. I thought she was 20-ish or 25-ish or whatever, and he was maybe late 30s, early 40s. But, you know, that's not that crazy. I've seen much worse, you know. 15 years spread is not the you know the end of the world there. Yeah. Either way. But, uh, I, power I, dynamic. And it's just, that's yeah. a whole other story. So she did had like no agency at all. That's the thing. But also just, you know, in this movie, women had no agency. And in this time, women had little to no agency. But she got what she wanted. She uh, did say that. That, that she was so shocking. She everything she ever so, wanted. So yes, this nanny was actually the, uh, the narrator in the very beginning and the very end. Narrator. Narrator. She was the narrator in the very beginning and the very end. And uh, in the very end, she got what she really wanted all along, which was her uh, boss's husband. <sighs> How much you want to bet she put the head in the microwave? Yeah, mm -hmm. I was going to say, it's like, it makes mm -hmm. us think that she's responsible for yeah, yeah. the death of the, of the there, There's another way to tell this story that's uh, yeah, quite a bit more uh, devious and uh, from a different perspective. But 
quite honestly, I think my biggest issue with this movie, like the story is really lacking, but my biggest issue is the performances. So you were, Tim was saying that uh, she gave a decent performance. I think she was the closest thing to an acceptable performance in this fucking movie. Whereas everyone else was just so dead eyed fucking, it, it felt like they hired everyone from a Dragonette casting. Like the everything was just very like just line readings. Like yeah. it was there was there was no emotion, there was no context, there was no subtext. It, it felt was like, like a dime novel movie. It did. It felt like it, it, it very much. Uh, I wrote down. It felt like the scenes in Boogie Nights where they are making the porn inside of the movie. It yeah. just felt like bad seventies porn acting of like someone that had never been in camera sitting sitting there reading lines out. I think, no, you're absolutely right. I think that maybe it's a little more pulpy than I, I think cult campy is probably a better word. But I think the acting is not good because there's not a lot of great names. I mean, it seems like they built this around Mr. Victor Mature. You don't have to have names to have good acting. I mean, well, it's, it's true, arguable but, that you get better acting. But with it, I worse would say names. in general, the cream is this generally going to rise to the top. It feels like it was a B movie of yeah. the day, you know? This was just something that was, you know, typed out quick and. Yeah, well, you chose it. You chose it because of obviously it's known as one of the greatest noirs, right? Yeah. Why did you choose it? I chose it because. What were you thinking? Well, today is (laughs) December twenty ninth. It's my parents' anniversary, so happy anniversary to my parents. Um, But uh, no, I just I think that the time between Christmas and New Year's should be a time where one strives to do nothing. So I didn't want to pick anything super like super thinky or anything like that. And, and I just nihilistic thought, movie believes in nothing. Yeah, a noir just sounded kind of fun. Mm. Googled noirs, wanted to watch something that was set in New York. This was a real fucking disappointment about that. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I just us. I just picked a noir out of the hat. Right really? On. Yeah. Um. Okay. I think that it's it's. I mean, it's interesting they point out New York. You said that first, too. I mean, they... Yes. They make a point of it in the uh, in the title card. Mm-hmm. Right. Why, why, Sean, are they doing that? What What's so special about New York? Why does it have to be New York? <clears throat> I didn't get the impression that it had to be, other than, like, the implication of mafiosos just kind of... Um, running amok. So you could have said this is New York. You could have said this is Chicago. And like you automatically know the sort of intrinsic interworkings of what's going on. Whereas if you, you know, say this is Montana, um, there isn't necessarily that sort of, you know. I think you're absolutely right. I think I I kind of forget the basic stereotypes about cities. Uh, Or at least there's not many big cities back in the 40s. There's New York, there's Chicago, there's LA. Not even LA. What specific cities are known for? Like LA wasn't known as a gangster town, even though it was a big city. New York is obviously known. And even they play the stereotypes with some of the Italian guys and Mm -hmm. the mob there. Um, but I think they're trying to, you know, use New York almost like the the Woody Allen thing that New York is a character, you know, within itself kind of bullshit. Honestly, I didn't even get that though. Like, I, I I agree. I was gonna say I think it failed on that. I, I see. I don't. I wouldn't call that a failure because I don't know that that was even an intent. I think the intent was more to fill in the story gaps so they didn't have to explain why there was 
a mafia in Rhode Island or wherever, I you see. know, it's just kind of an easy shorthand in a film to say right. we're in New York. Obviously there's mafia. You don't have to explain that at all. Perhaps I'm yeah. giving him too much credit and trying to. Nothing about this film, I think was very high effort. Yeah. 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 That's, I think that's probably true. This is a time when they were just cranking out script. Well, other, not that they're not now, Other but, than uh, Tommy Whitmark's performance. He, okay. He, so let's talk about him. Who he was tried. Whitmark? Uh, oh, he, he was tried. the Joker, baby. Oh, Joker. He didn't just try. He was chewing he was the scenery yeah, yeah. like Pac-Man eating a cherry. He was having fun. Yeah. He was he the was only great. one acting hard. The, the, the lady was acting, but he was acting hard. I liked him. I thought he had some wonderful <laughs> line readings. Great yeah. line readings. He was, he was a lot of fun. He was the saving grace of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Uh, even he couldn't save it. <laughs> but, he, but when he, when he was on screen, he was the one you're watching. That yeah. Nick guy was fucking Mr. Forgettable. Yeah. Everyone in this God, was he boring. Every mm-hmm. cop, every person on screen with dialogue other than the Joker and fucking the girl were completely monotone and forgettable. Let's talk and about- uh, Unnoteworthy. Did you like the DA? I kind of like the DA. He was no one. He, he was, was okay. the same monotone I thought he as was everyone. Fine. He was all right. He was all right. I thought he was, he could have been better with better writing or something. I don't know. Yeah. He, was just, yeah. he was one of the best of the worst. I guess. I mean, it was all just like eight Joe Fridays in a room, just fucking. Yeah. Just the Fair. facts in each other. Yeah. Um, let's talk about casting it today since we're talking about these characters. Um, uh, Sean, do you have any uh, anyone you would pick for Nick? Which one's Nick? Main character. <laughs> I don't know any of these the fucking- The <laughs> Um, Honestly, it, like anyone would be good in that. Like anyone with charisma would have made this a good movie. A fucking, <laughs> a, a wooden post would have made it the same movie we just watched. Um, You know, you put in a Leo there, you put in a Brad Pitt there, you put in anyone that can like take up a screen and have a little bit of fucking charisma and this script would probably be fine. But, you know- I agree with you. I think it seems like they built the script around this guy and I'm shocked that they were like- this guy can carry the movie. Oh, yeah. It's just yeah. like, oh, he's tall. He's moderately good looking. Let's just scrap, slap a movie with him and he'll be fine. They, I guess they, this is the point where he really wasn't going to work, I think. Is this like one of those deals where they like wrote it for James Dean or something and he just died right before it shot or something? Maybe it did work. Did this make money? Oh, it made a little bit of money. It didn't make much money. Mm. Budget was 1.52. Box office, 1.65. Tom Selleck, <laughs> opposite Daniel Craig. With The Daniel Craig is a great choice. With wait, Tom Selleck is who? He's Nick. He's Bianco. And you had a problem with the age discrepancy before? No. <laughs> if it's Tom <laughs> Selleck, no, it's no okay. I, I do, I do. I'm just like I'm casting it today. By the way, Tom Selleck was going out with uh, uh, Courtney Cox and Friends thirty years ago. True. But she was thirty years younger too. Right, right. But it's still been thirty years now. So he's. Seventy, uh, like fuck, dude. Yeah, he's, he's he's up there. He's gotta be in his eighties now. Whatever, though. Uh, I think John Hamm. You mentioned could do it. John Hamm. Yeah. You know, I think I've turned the corner on John Hamm. 
Um, <laughs> good corner, bad corner. Bad corner. Uh, you know, Mad Men and some of the stuff. I thought he was good. I thought I liked him. That he did some was... good stuff on Saturday Night Live. He seemed enjoyable. The more I see him, especially in the more recent stuff, he's a one-trick pony. He's got one gear, and yeah. that's all he can do. And he can only be John Hamm being John Hamm. He can kind of make fun of John Hamm being John Hamm, but there's no real other gear. Yeah, Do you th I think that might be part of the Mad Men thing. I think that he's almost a victim of his character, like many, many long-term characters in TV series. Don't you think? Um, yeah, typecasting is certainly a thing, and falling into a rut is certainly a thing. But I have seen no evidence of him doing anything outside of that rut. I'm trying to think. He was kind of funny in Bridesmaids. Was Again, he can make fun of himself oh, being that character, but it's still that character. Okay, like, he's playing uh, on the fact that he's there. Okay, I'll buy that. I'll did buy you guys it. see Tag? Ugh. It was actually good. I enjoyed Tag. Um, yeah, it, did you see it? How low are your expectations? That movie sucked. Oh, absolutely. I expected absolutely nothing. Yeah, I did laugh three times. I also expected nothing, but I did not like it. Oh. I liked Game Night. Right on. Which I think he was in. Game Night? Am I confusing the two? No. Um, They're similar movies. Either they way. They are pretty much the same. I used to have respect, a lot more respect for John Hamm's John Hamm than I do now uh, uh sean who would you pick i'm sorry go ahead real quickly would you guys like to uh throw out an official guess for tom Selleck's age uh 78 uh 82 74 fuck i win <laughs> let me see i mean he's hey Jamie, died. can you pull it up well i can't you, you know I can never, never turn so much i'll look Jesus it up on my Christ. telephone yeah. just just trust us he looks good yeah he looks good he's got yeah. a the mustache yeah. looks great he's, he's a healthy. listener his mustache is so the greatest. So, who's the girl the world. that Tom Selleck, this seventy-four-year-old, is going to be Chloe sweeping off 70. her feet? <laughs> oh, Jesus! Because it worked twenty years ago when the uh, fucking weird rapist did it with Vincent Gallo. Ew! This really then, could be any kind of young, innocent girl. There's so many actors who uh, play this part. Yeah, you know, because the part is not meaty. It, it, it's yeah, such a nothing part. Like Julianne anyone that can Moore would speak. be interesting. It's like overcasting. It's like, it's like you're casting a great actor to do one note. It's stupid. Yeah. Marissa Tomei. Yeah, you're really casting for that age bracket, huh? You want to get it within that like 10-year yeah. gap? <laughs> he's, he's such a problem with age. <laughs> such an ageist. Wait yeah. till you're 40. Fucking I know. 25 is not going to look so young. <laughs> you're going to try to go out with some young girl or to play this podcast again. Totally. Uh, yeah, man, I'm definitely not taking 25 off the table yet. These, it, the, the internet is not forever. Is it now? No, it's really only as long as I pay for hosting. It could be a button. <laughs> well, Sean, since you mentioned hosting, I mm -hmm. want you to host a game. Uh oh. Hey! Can, can you play a game for us? <sighs> okay. Oh. Oh, Jesus oh, God. God. Jesus. Damn it. Gentlemen, are you ready to play the most ridiculously fabulous game show ever? It's to be thrust forward from the post. Fuck you. Oh, my God. I can't do a goddamn thing right. We're going to play Guess the Gross. Today's topic Real anger, is people. going Real to anger. be the fucking uh, movies about snitches. Snitches get stitches. Yeah. Today, yeah. I'm Guess the Gross. I throw out some info about a movie. You tell me how much you think it made domestic gross box office and oh, then we yeah, fucking yeah writing it do down writing it down writing it down um so gentlemen hang on hang first on, hang up on, on, on the on. list 
three <clears throat> decades of life in the mafia in 1990, directed by Martin Scorsese. We have Goodfellas. Gentlemen, in 1990, what did Goodfellas make? This one, obviously, directed by Martin Scorsese. We got Robert De Niro, Ray Liotta, Joe Pesci, Warren Brasco, Paul Savino, Frank Sivero, Tony Sorvino, yeah. Frank Sorvino. Yep, all them guys. I'm going to go with 115. $115 million, says Joey and Timmer. 78.5. $78.5 million. Uh, you gentlemen are thinking more about the reputation of this movie rather than it its actual. It was an unsure time. It was an unsure yeah, time. I'm an idiot. 1990. Yeah. Uh, Tim is going to take this one. It came in at 46 million. Ooh, that was going to. Ooh, I upped my guess. Yeah, yeah. What's next, Sean? All right, next up. No one gets away clean. In 2000, Steven Soderbergh directed Traffic. Traffic. 2000. At 2000. This is Benicio Del Toro, Jacob Vargas, a um, whole bunch of other names I don't... Starring know. the color blue. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, yeah. <laughs> uh, blue and orange, or, yeah, teal and orange. Well, it depends orange. on which yeah. timeline <laughs> we're in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Timmer, how much did uh, Traffic make? It made $87 million. $87 million, and Joey? 68. $68 million, says Joey. This one came in, you guys had way little faith in this one. This one came in at $124 it was a, it was a million. Dollars. America was in the green. <laughs> 10 we years had, later, we had- lot. We had Clinton in office. Yep. Again, the guy with negative money in his bank account is giving yeah. you financial advice. <laughs> Not right now. I haven't paid rent yet. <laughs> you can donate at the Patreon. Uh, it's patreon.com slash podcast. Right. Buy a mug. Yeah, every little bit helps. I'm sorry, Tim. Happy New Year. Um, so. All right, gentlemen. Next. In this daring heist, the only color that counts is green. In 1995, directed by Albert Hughes and Alan Hughes, we have Dead Presidents. Oh, cool. Not for Dead Presidents, the representative. I like this movie. Dead Presidents, 1995. Um, stars Keith David, Chris Tucker, Freddie Rodriguez, Jason Joe. Oh, no, no, no other names I have recognize. Have you seen this, Sean? Um, not in fucking forever. I think I saw it when it came out, but I don't remember it at all. All right. Uh, Dead Presidents, 1995. Timmer. I'm not trying to be a dick about it, but like 19 mil. $19 million. Yeah. Not to have little Timmer. faith in it, but. Joey. I said 25. $25 million. You guys have very little faith in this movie, but it actually paid off. Joey came in at $24 million. Dude. Joey takes that one. I think nice. that's the closest you guys have been in a long Good time. Good job. Good job. All right, gentlemen, next up on the list, lies, betrayal, sacrifice. How far will you take it? In 2006, directed by Martin Scorsese again, we have The Departed. I like this 2006, one. The Departed. I believe this one stars Leonardo DiCaprio, Matt Damon, Jack Nicholson, Mark Wahlberg, Martin Sheen. Um, Alec Baldwin, 
2006, Tim. 2006. How was the economy doing? What was the oh, Dow oh, at? What was the NASDAQ oh, doing oh, yeah, in 2006? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me tell you before <laughs> we play. Now it's pre recession. You fucking right? fools. You fucking fools. This was post 9 11, pre recession. Whatever. The bubble is still in play. And I don't know anything. Timmer in 2006, what did the departed make? Let me go first. He went first last time. Joey, yeah. in 2006, uh, what did I'm going to say the departed make? 104. $104 million. And Timmer? All right. I had $115 million. Oh, one, one, five. Timmer and sneaks I, that away. Price is right style. This one came in at $132 million. It was a bold time. It also got re patriotic time. And this movie had cops in it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And it was about yeah. Irish people. Do we like Irish people in 2006? Double whammy. Yes. We always like Irish people. Yes. Especially after 9-11, though. Alec Baldwin, I remember being awesome. This was like like Toby Keith on CMT. Like, this was a... Yeah. People were spending money. Toby Keith on CMT? <laughs> yeah. Only in an irresponsible time would Toby Keith get airplay. Gentlemen. Yes. Welcome to the real world. In 1999, directed by Lily and Lana Wachowski, we have The Matrix. Dang. Yeah. I believe it was... Phenomenon in its time. Uh, phenomenon. Like the movie Phenomenon, but without... Oh, yeah, I can't dead name them. But I just I watched it recently, the and they were fucking- uh, with Travolta. Who doesn't? It's a great movie. Was that? I showed that to my ex-girlfriend. She hated it, and I should have known. I always get that one confused with Powder. Was he in both? No. No. Who was in Powder? Some powder. People. Powder. <laughs> All right. One of the Baldwins. Powder mm. from the movie Powder? Yeah, Powder. It's a John Mulaney joke, I think. What movie are we doing? <laughs> the Matrix. Oh, the okay. Matrix. Oh, this one shit. stars Keanu Reeves, Lawrence Fishburne. Keanu. All right, Tim, let's speed this up. Go. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Uh, $89 million. $89 million, says Tim and Joey. Though, I believe. You're the ones that speed it up. And 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100. $100 million. I didn't think about it. I'm gonna you didn't even write it down. You just price it right yeah. away into a last minute victory there. This one came in at $171 yeah. million. I, I was just thinking pre Y2K writing. buzz. Come on, dude. 1999 movie about the internet. Are you kidding? Yeah. Timmer takes this one away. Thank you for playing the most wondrously fabulous game on the internet. It's really just a game about. What do you know about the economy? <laughs> <laughs> You're right. We should just bring. Like, how much Kurtman attention here. did you pay in civics? Yeah, civics. What? I don't know. I don't uh, even know if that's a class really. That's anymore. not. That's not what. Okay. I played a lot of hacky sack in civics. <laughs> my you? wrestling coach was the teacher. Is that where you fix Hondas? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. No, it's about like uh, local government. No one Anywho, cares about let's talk government. about the sound of this movie, guys. Yeah. yeah. The whole podcast proving no one cares I'd about open, local government. I'd open a beer or something, but it's this New is York. We got open. big New York sound. Yeah. Barely. No, Except when people are talking, then we'll turn it down. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's New York. Let's go inside. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, that's the problem I had. But uh, I think the sound in general was 
by. It was on. It was. Uh, you know, there were actually moments that I liked. There were moments of cool reverb where okay. a, a room sounded big. I didn't think that I felt intentional. No, that well, felt yeah, like just, it just would happen. A little high. <laughs> okay. I mean, I, I actually appreciate the fact that they're using production sound, even if it is a little verby. Mm. I think it's fine. Verby. Is, is verby. Okay. Yeah, this fucking guy. Like, what, how shall, how else should I describe guy. it? A little heavy on the reverb. No, 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 no. no. I want to be faster I than want, that. I want to know the jargon, Joey. All right. We can also say a little well, wet. Put your cans on and we'll fucking talk about some verby. Anyways, it's a I like verby, the fact, Joey. There is a problem of room tone issues when they cut back and forth between the wides and the close-ups. Yeah, there was even some moments. I did notice some room tone shifts. There was also an, uh, they were usually pretty good, but there was a room tone issue when they cut from an over to another over. Air conditioning with no air conditioning. That was shocking. They could have easily just layered that in there. Sons of bitches. Very Those surprising. sons of bitches. Anyways, the dialogue, well, I like the fact they're using production sound. I don't care if it's a little verby. They tried. A uh, wide shot sounds like a wide shot. So be it. Big fucking deal. Cool. Yeah. Big fucking shot. Big fucking shot. Big fucking verb. <laughs> um, I really like the music in general, but the music was too loud. The mix was too loud with the music. The music was doing too much over in some, maybe three or four moments I noticed. Had a lot of lifting to do. It was, well, <laughs> the music <laughs> back was to make really up getting <laughs> sciatica after the heavy lifting it was doing. Uh, the composer, who I don't know his name, sorry, I should look at it. Doesn't matter. Uh, did a good job, but it's just, you can't carry scenes like reading in a fucking newspaper with dramatic horns oh and strings. Oh my God. Renzo, calm that down. Fucking, oh, that scene, like the the the. When he reads that his wife is in the obituaries, like that was the reveal. Oh my god, that build up, like that heavy fucking ass music. And the obituary was ridiculous. Oh. It said that she died because she didn't have enough money, and like it straight up says like she, she put killed her herself in the oven. with the oven. <laughs> yeah, it was so graphic. Her kids are super bummed. <laughs> They're at the orphanage right now. Yeah, here's their address by the yeah. way, in case you're uh, you're the bad guy who yeah. wants to find them. Yeah, if you're her husband, you ought to feel horrible. <laughs> findmykids.com um isn't that crazy though that they did publish addresses like that especially they I would, don't think they did they did they did they publish did. They might, I talked to my dad about this they used wow. to publish addresses from weddings as well yeah yeah which is cr they stopped doing it but they used to yeah. do I think up until I'm gonna guess Serial the 70s <laughs> mm. yeah. yes up uh, until yes yeah. kind of all of that stuff in the 70s yeah, stranger danger changed a lot whatever, yeah yep. Uh, so I fucking found D &D players. Yeah, just random rhyming bullshit. Stranger danger, satanic panic. <laughs> just say no. Didn't rhyme. Also that. It had a uh, Tipper pentameter gore. to it. Um, uh, okay. There was moments of <laughs> silence that we already pointed out in this film. The background sound, as Sean pointed out, did a lot of stuff there too. I, I just think that I like that they're trying to have awkward moments and let it, the scene breathe. So I have to compliment it on that. Although that's just the style of the time. So I think for me, it's just going back and forth from the Rise of Skywalker kind of film to this film. I'm just getting the bends. And I, and I, I appreciate it going slower, 
uh, Sean gives giving me a little grin right now. No, no. I mean, there's just this one, the one scene where they're in the factory. So they're in the factory and okay, they're kind of yelling at each other. And every time they would talk, the sound of the background machinery would go down quite a bit, very noticeably so that they can talk. But then at the very end of the scene, the boss man comes in and says something and they don't turn down the sound of the machine and you just can't hear what the people are saying. And it just feels... It feels like an awkward trickery. It doesn't feel like natural, like we're supposed to like I not agree. hear them. It just Okay, so it, I think the effect was we have perspective, meaning that when the main character bends his head down, we hear the background sound go down. Yeah. Which is okay. No, it wasn't just when they were bending down, though. It was before they started bending down. You sure? It was, yeah, it was literally just when they talked. Okay, so they I were thought both it was kind of they leaned into each other a little bit. I mean, when they were talking, they were a little bit closer to us, but they were I the same you're, distance. You're from basically me. right. It, honestly, it's just, it's it's weird. It's distracting. You can't really do that. It's called ducking, you said. Um, you can do it in a documentary. Duck you. It's just really off-putting in a movie like this. Yeah. Um, but I think that's not really what I was alluding to. You are right. But I think what I was alluding to is more the awkward pauses, like in the elevator. <laughs> I like those. At least mm-hmm. they were trying to, and to, to have those moments of silence. So I think that they let the scenes breathe a lot. Well, the, the elevator scene with no dialogue is one of the strongest scenes in the movie. First five minutes. Yeah. Downhill. Once they started talking. There was some other silence mo- moments. I, but there was a lot of scenes where we just didn't need to watch him do stuff. It was like we were in his house and he was just, you know, walking around for 30 seconds, which could have been a, a cut and mm-hmm. move on. It just really felt that it was dragging for the sake of trying to build suspense artificially. <laughs> trying to reach feature length. <laughs> yeah. Um, the effects, the Foley, meh, whatever. They're fine. Nothing special. Um, did you guys have anything with the effects? Did you notice any cool sound effects? I noticed Foley? nothing about this movie. Nothing memorable. No, I mean, the, the gunshots were the gunshots. Nothing special or anything. Nah, you know, whatever. It's whatever. Okay. What, like, we barely even got some gunshots. <laughs> All right, let's move on to how this movie looked. Sean, um, it's obviously a noir, so it's got that noir lighting. What'd you think? Did it live um, up to the noir look? Yeah, there's moments of that sort of um, that heavy noir light, that very high contrasty sort of look, um, especially on him. I noticed a couple of scenes where, like, he's at the table talking to the uh, the babysitter who becomes his wife, and she's lit in, lit very frontal with very with almost no shadows on her whatsoever. And then he's lit in like a split sort of half and half, where half his light, half his face is very bright, and the other half is a dark shadow, and just kind of like you know, uh, almost making her like angelic, and him in that sort of classical, you know, kind of. Uh, hidden noir sort of figure. There's a couple of times when they do that, but mostly the lighting is pretty bland in this movie, like most of everything else. Um, visually, there are a couple of things that do really stick out in this movie, though. Um, as I was alluding to, the scene in the elevator I thought was really good. Um, the the shots are all fa- uh, pretty much looking at the the main character, looking at the doors of the elevator, but behind him is the mirror. So you can see him, you can see his reactions, but you can also see everyone entering into the elevator as well. So you kind of get that full perspective of everything, but 
you're concentrated on how he is reacting to it. And it was a really good way to tell that story. I feel like a lot of other, you know, directors or even cinematographers would have had like five other shots in there that kind of would have ruined the pacing and the flow of the tension of that moment. Um, the other moment that really stuck out to me was the much later when he goes back to, um, uh, to finally confront the Joker and the Joker guy is sitting behind the, in the, the restaurant, curtain. In Luigi's? In, yeah, in Luigi's and the Joker guy is sitting oh, behind right. the curtains and we just see the two black curtains like yeah. filling up most of the frame in this little sliver of light that all of a sudden you notice turns into the Joker and he like catches her eye and kind of stands up and gets closer and closer to the screen. Um, that was just- That a, was so good. It was noticeably good because it was because better than everything else. Exactly. Yeah. It was one of those things that like made you think like, oh shit, there is some talent in here and right. they just didn't they use it anywhere. Yeah, yeah. You guys had this? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, like I said, there were not very many moments that stuck, stood out to me, um, but those two visually were were some of the best. Um, other than that, there was a lot of play with just reflections in general, which yeah. I thought was cool. Um, a lot of like places where you would be looking at one character, but see another character's actions and movements and the reflections behind them and stuff. Um, other than that, though, very, very bland and unfucking memorable. I, I did notice one nice moment. The um, There was one moment where he was blocked right in front of a stained glass window and his head was perfectly, you know, situated such mm. that he looked like he had a halo. And yeah, he was yeah. insane. He was being redeemed. And I think that's actually a problem I had with the film in general, which we'll get to later. I just want to say it quick is that he didn't really change. He was very static. He was just kind of like, I'm reformed. I'm going to be a snitch. I'm going to look out for my family. He didn't ever kind of tempt with the dark side. And I think that's what the, a lot of noir characters do. They're well, not, he starts out as not a snitch. Well, that's true. He starts out as a jewel thief. But waits I think three years after his wife dies, that's when it's just that his his arc is weak. It's not non-existent. It's, er, it's not non-existent. It's weak. Is It is weak. It's it's on the page enough and a really strong charismatic actor could have made us feel that and made that actually play through, I think. It's well, just the, like write, they, they the did, writing is as lazy as the acting yeah, in this yeah, movie. They yeah. let the wrong scenes breathe, I yeah, think. Very you know, much so. They let some scenes yes. breathe, which were good, but the scenes that we really needed were him grieving over his wife. <laughs> yeah, it could have been a much better movie. Like, like you could <laughs> you could rewrite this movie and it wouldn't suck. Have you seen the Nicolas Cage version? Is it better? Oh, did oh, they remake right. this movie specifically? I don't know. It's the same name. It I just same assumed name. it was. I've not seen the no picture. No idea. Yeah. It seems like a classic kind of story to retell. You know, sort it of, is, yeah. You know, witness protection program. Also, you can Nick tell Cage now. in this would be great. Yeah, he would be great. You're right. Yeah. So maybe that is a thing. Well, Nick Cage of the 90s would be great. Yeah. And I wish we got, was that this was probably 95. Movie? Yes. Good yeah. call. From the Whoever quick synopsis here, yeah, it looks like it is a remake. So it nice. looks like it is Cage playing this. Um, Tim, did you notice anything else about the editing of the film? The, the, no, the, there was this one light gag that uh, was uh, like a, hey, look, at, look a light gag, uh, where he suddenly flips to silhouette. Uh, but even that was a bit clunky. That was, yeah, that uh, was fine. But it was yeah. like, it wasn't really that big a deal. Just, yeah. That yeah. was comical. Yeah, uh, That was, was like, that was yeah. cartoony. That yeah, was, it wasn't good. Yeah, it was uh, like someone, yeah. But uh, oh, they, they were shy, 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 shy of that. Play. 
you know, the, the prison uniform I thought looked very comfortable. <laughs> uh, I always think those shirts look comfortable. Yeah, I I assume they're hemp. I assume they're stiff. They I look, assume they're they look well made. Yeah, can they look warm? And they, you know, yeah, I just it seems comfy. I assume they're made for durability, not comfort. The one probably, thing I will say is, but they, like, once probably, you wear it in, you know, like once mm, you get a guess. couple of good sleeps in, you know, sweat it a little bit. You know, no, no. First of all, they're freshly laundered. If you've ever seen any prison movie. Nice. Tons of laundry going on. I get on. it. Yes. No. I don't know how much laundry they actually Seems do. Seems to be they're always doing laundry yeah, yeah, in every always, prison yeah. film. They don't need to fill pages in real prison. They need to fill years. They need to fill time. Yeah. Lots of time. <laughs> oh, that's actually kind of true. <laughs> a lot of laundry. I'd be doing my socks every fucking day. Well, well interesting parallels. Yeah. <laughs> Anywho. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. No, I think... So we all contemplate prison. No, I think the lighting, I will say, or the look of the film. Shirts look comfortable. Uh, the, it, when we're talking about that kind of stuff, you know, the costumes, they, you know, the action. They actual, were fine. They were, fine, they were but, there. You know, I mean, the, it, was a, it was a 47 picture. So, like, all the women were in dresses and skirts and all the men were in, like, uh, suits, double-breasted double suits, everybody. Yeah. Well, it, was, it wasn't a period few, pi picture. It was just, yeah. you know. They no, didn't it was use just, any yeah, the period. Yeah. No landmarks, no nothing yeah. memorable, no... It was, yeah. Why did they have even need New York? It could have been any... Red well, it, it, it was... That, no, that's why it, it's that's the so thing. Like, funny that they wasted the title card I know. mentioning, like, this is a New York story, and it's like, no, it's really not. Well, again, I think that just goes back to the mafia, because it could either be New York or it could be Chicago, but that's about it. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, that was it just... It the, does some work so they don't have to. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Fills the in a bunch of plot holes. lazy. That, yep. All right. Well, we're going to move on. If you guys don't have anything else to say about the uh, looking of it, the camera work. No. All right. We're going to talk about the Oscars from 1947. Yeah. 47. What an okay. interesting year. Yeah. Two years after the end. Of the it's war. called. You know what? Guess the Oscar picks. We didn't really talk about historical significance. Um, and I love Jesus. What was the economy like? Uh, Booming, actually. Mm. What a well, this is 20th Century Fox, it so it is your typical U.S. studio. 47, this is wartime. Well, right after. Was it? No. Oh, yeah. Two years after V-Day, man. Yeah. But, I mean, I, 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 it's trapped. still very... Uh, March of 45, what? Uh, the thing is, I think it is still part of it. Um, it feels like out of time, though. It doesn't feel like a post-war film that we've been seeing where it makes a commentary on... This doesn't anything. make a commentary on anything at all. Right? No. It feels like it's just like, oh, this was a leftover film this we had is, from like 38, and let's just make it. It's pulp. It's pulp. I said earlier, it's a mm -hmm. dime store novel of a film. Yeah. So I think that historically, it, it maybe like it is. this would start Dave Bautista today, realistically. Yeah, I think you're right. It is just the you know, the, the popcorn film of the day. Exactly. Yeah. And one of the random characters so that Peter Berg is the, is the Henry Hathaway. Who's Henry Hathaway? The director. Of this director oh, of this right utterly forgettable picture. Yeah. I just feel like you would, yeah, you would make it today and you would get randomly lucky that one of your characters was as good as the Joker guy yeah. in this movie. It would and stream like well in Michigan. <laughs> I feel like this is almost like a rom-com today in many ways. Today's rom com. What? Because we don't have movies like this. They don't really make rom coms anymore, man. 
They don't. No, uh, not really. They're few and far. The, the comedy is just a hard genre these days. Jennifer Lopez yeah. just in one. The, um, Hustlers. That wasn't really around. No, time. That was another. No. A chick flick. Yeah, that was. Yeah, that was. Wasn't it like a drama too? Uh, no, Hustlers is. Mm, it's not comedy, but I wouldn't say it's drama. It's like maybe light drama or something, but it's, uh, I mean, chick flick is the most thing that, yeah, it's, you know, about strippers that try and drug men and take their money. Like it's supposed uh, to be light and funny and girls night out movie. Speaking uh, of Constance Wu, the uh, crazy rich Asians kind of a rom-com. And yeah. Is that a rom-com? Actually, I've never seen it. Is that a I've, segue? Pointing out a rom-com. Uh, Speaking of Constance Wu, because she was in Hustlers and ah, no. Speaking of her, though. requisite information. Well, you were saying I know. talk about Hustlers. She's the star of the movie. Okay. We did it. Jesus hey, she Christ! Didn't know. Hey, 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 hey. Didn't know. Didn't know. All right, we're gonna play the Oscar game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I want yeah. you guys to pick the best actor. Yay. Okay, Michael Redgrave for Morning Becomes Electra. William Powell, Life with Father, Gregory Peck, Gentleman's Agreement, Ronald Coleman, A Double Life, or John Garfield for Body and Soul? Sean goes first. John Garfield, because I can only remember the last thing you said. Gregory Peck. The answer is Ronald Coleman for Piss. Double Life. Sure. I don't think I know that any of those movies. That was my second guess. Gentleman's Agreement. I don't know that one either. That's the Gregory Peck one. Hmm. And Michael Redgrave, I, it, he must be uh, Eddie's dead. Mm. Vanessa's dead. Eddie, Eddie Redmayne's dead. Michael Redgrave. All right, best actress Susan Hayward for Smash Up: The Story of a Woman. <laughs> That's a real title. That's great. Smash That's the forties. The story of a woman. <laughs> uh, Rosalind Russell, Morning Becomes Electra. Dorothy McGuire, Gentleman's Agreement. Loretta Young, The Farmer's Daughter, or Joan Crawford for Possessed. Rosalind Russell. Farmer's daughter. Just because I love the trouble with angels, and when we get to the 60s, we will have an episode about that. John gets the point. Yes. Loretta Young, the farmer's daughter. No, it wasn't going to be, I knew it wasn't going to be her. <laughs> did you? <laughs> I did. Best director. George Cukor, A Double Life. Edward Dimitrik, Crossfire. David Lean, Great Expectations. Elia Kazan, Gentleman's Agreement. Henry Coster, the bishop's wife. Gentleman's agreement. Henry Coster. Is Elia Kazan, gentleman's agreement. Fuck yeah. Knew it. Two points. Sean kind of wins already, but we'll go for the last one. Best oh, picture. Yeah. We have gentleman's agreement. The bishop's wife. Crossfire. Great expectations or miracle on 34th Street. Great expectations. John. Something's really telling me miracle. Santa? Yeah. Telling you that? Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> the answer is a gentleman's agreement. God damn it. <laughs> Should have went with my other gut. That's one, two. Obviously. You have several? <laughs> we watched I'm, I'm uh, On the Waterfront of uh, Elliot Kazan's. We should have watched this movie. Elia. On the waterfront was what a okay. disappointment. I don't, yeah, I don't like him after that. It's cold. That was yeah. Guess the Oscars. Guess the Oscar pick. Yeah. Woo. Okay. Um, Please clap. 
let's just take a quick departure. I have just a random question. Uh-oh. Uh, Sean, do you like or dislike noirs? Why or why not? Hmm. So that's an impossible question for me to answer because I don't like movies. All right, moving on. on. Okay. No, I'm just so cool. <laughs> It was impossible. Uh, it was, no, no, just that I don't like movies based on genre. So it's not that I don't like these types of movies. I can't stand anything that takes itself completely seriously. So a lot of dramas or a lot of, I should say, noirs do take themselves extremely seriously, which usually means that I can't stand them. But if there's any sort of, you know, um, I guess tongue in cheekness to it or any sort of, you know, comedic element or some sort of deprecation or something that recognizes how ridiculous the world is, then I can start to get behind things. Any Have of you that seen in this one for you? Mm, just the Joker. Okay. Right <laughs> I on. mean, you know, the closest thing to making me like this movie. Have you Sorry. seen Kiss Kiss Bang Bang? Yeah. You like that? Yeah. Okay. I mean, you know, again, that doesn't take itself seriously at all. I, that's that's kind of what you're describing. Sort of comedic element, yeah. That kind of Pineapple Express, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Pineapple is a little bit lower on my list, certainly, but yeah. Is that a noir? It tries to be. <laughs> Stoner Pine- noir? Yes, exactly. Stoar. Yeah. Stonewar. 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 I don't know how I missed that the first time. That's beautiful. All right. So, Tim, do you like noirs? Uh, I do. Yeah. Why? I like, uh, I just, you know, honestly, I, uh, I grew up with a cop and a nurse for parents, <laughs> and I watched a lot of Bang Bang Boom movies as a kid. Why? Uh, my dad liked to play them. He would always have some sort of action movie on, uh, and so I just would watch a lot of them. And so when I'm, I, I just when I'm trying to relax, I gravitate to those. And so I wanted to watch something that was just kind of relaxing and fun. You know, to kind of end the new year on, or to end the old year on. Uh, you know, just something that wasn't too heavy. Um, Feels like there's some sort of nihilistic or ouroboros in there of like your father being a cop and was, sending them to your yeah, mother. Yeah, I mean, and I mean maybe that's the- an interesting <laughs> reflection on like where I'm from. You know, I, I used to come home from school every day, and there'd just be two loaded guns on the counter every day. And one for your dad, one for your mom. No, it was it was his you know his yeah. main weapon and his uh, ankle weapon or whatever. Mm. Uh, but I wasn't allowed to bring kids over right after school because of that, because there would just you know there would be guns on the counter. Um, so Is you that know, a Coen Brothers movie. I was uh, I, I don't know. There will be guns. Whatever. Uh, you will not derail me. Too late. I, I did. No. <laughs> But uh God damn yeah. it. There were two guns there were two guns in the there county. Kids weren't no, allowed so to go I, I pick uh you know, you know movies like this I just think are fun generally. But this one was terrible. <laughs> so, you know, that's uh I was just home for Christmas for a week, spent a lot of that time on the couch with my family watching Bad action movies. Mm-hmm. What did you think of the interaction with the kids in this movie? We didn't really talk about those kid actors or the interaction oh, they with were, the father. They were, you know, I mean, it was, it, it reminded me of uh, Opie in the first season of Andy Griffith uh, in that they were just kind of there to say, gee, Paul, blah, right. blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah. That, that, there was definitely you know, moments of that. Well, sure. they, they only hit that kind of timbre with their voice too. 
you know, was just that kind of real high pitched, like this is this is old timey America. Oh. Maybe that's just how well, yeah, the whole family was there just to give him stakes. Exactly. Like, yeah. Yeah. Every everybody was super two dimensional because you know? they didn't. I, I actually liked his interaction with the kids. I thought it was kind of sweet. It was the most well, humanizing. I really do. I think it was one of the most meant to humanize natural him. parts of the film. I think. Yeah. It was a save the cat. It moment. was natural. I wouldn't say natural. Yeah, I would say natural. Comparatively so, yeah. Uh, the most natural part of this movie is a very low it's bar. It's not natural, natural at all. Exactly. Yeah. Interactions yeah. between people. Everything else is very It's stilted. the most natural, yeah, interaction they tried to portray. I'll give you that. Other than the but opening like, heist. You know, even Opie and Andy are a better team in the first season. Because well, they have charisma. Aren't they, like, very... Yeah, yeah, but, but Opie's still terribly, like, two-dimensional, though. But those Not are Ron also, Howard. yeah, yeah, Ronnie Howard. Those are also like two of the most charismatic actors. Exactly. He's not that charismatic in the first season. Andy Griffith? No, 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 Fucking no. Ron Howard. He's, little Opie Cunningham is always charismatic. He's, he's adorable. adorable. <laughs> little Ronnie Howard's adorable. Oh my God. I'm just saying. You know, like I these kids, he's a little one note. He was the black and white baby Yoda. You take that back. Yeah. He's right. Fair. <laughs> that show's great, by the way. Mandalorian. Strong finish. Yeah. Strong We're season. not in the recommendations no, yet. Guys. I'll, uh, I'll disagree yeah. with you, but we'll talk about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. We'll fight this later. <laughs> um, I think, Sean, I just want to quickly mention, I agree with you about how the, uh, if you're playing to the genre, I think it can be kind of tedious. Mm. I think it's almost like they're, they're, pushed into a box here like the studio is like we have to make a noir film we have to make a noir film let's find the guy let's find the girl let's find the story this was and just it was so packaged yeah. yeah this yeah. is legos yeah. yeah and they tried to push the wrong stuff because somebody was making bad decisions this seems like the kind of movie that a producer made a lot yeah, of decisions exactly on. you could see the seams yes yeah. and that bugged me um and and it definitely felt unnatural at almost every moment, literally, yeah. except, except for maybe some with the kids, some improvisational stuff. But again, that's just moments. Well, do you have a general opinion or preference on noirs? I don't know, actually. I think I really like them. I like any film. Do you like action-y stuff? I do, I do. I don't think, this had very little action, so I don't know. Like, <laughs> that, that's but, j- but like, that's but what think, we were sold. I also think about Chinatown as my typical noir, but that, I don't think that's a typical yeah. noir. I think well, it's, it's like- it's a neo-noir. Right, it's almost yeah. like a commentary on it. So I think that, I haven't seen enough, first of all. But I like dark films that are impressionistic, yeah. that represent what's going on. You've seen the Maltese Falcon, yeah? I have not. Really? I think we're going to watch it soon. Fuck, I should have, we should have picked that. I told you to I thought it. I thought everybody'd seen it is why I didn't pick it. John I haven't seen, seen shit. Oh, that's it. actually really good, too. Well, well yeah, maybe next time pick a good movie. Yeah, fooey on me. <laughs> I just tried to do a blind buy. No, no, I no just that's, tried to that's do a all good we pick. ever do, man. Yeah. They're all just picks from a hat. Yeah. All right, yeah, so watch the Maltese Falcon instead. We'll watch that eventually. I think actually Graham uh, wants to do that one. So we cool, might have more yeah. Hopefully I can actually make it on an episode when Graham's here. <laughs> nope, we planned that specifically. Oh, is it a uh, full? Yeah, yeah. Right on. I get it. You know, Safe honestly, taken. honestly, honestly, if I were you guys, I'd do that too. <laughs> uh, no, I don't think so. I think uh, it'd be good either way. I don't think it's great with five people, to be perfectly honest. No, no. Put some wires well, exposed Derek, here. Derek's not here anymore, really. Yeah, intermittently. But I think just in general, I thought having we were five gonna, voices is like, a lot. Did we talk about Did you rub him out? Gonna... You, you killed him? He's in the Everglades. Mm, Gators got him. Yeah. 
He whacked him off. Whacked, whacked right <laughs> off. We whacked him off. You whacked Derek off. Pussy hands. Jesus Christ. All right. Um, enough joking. Let's talk about any miscellaneous errata. Anything else you want to do? Uh, I do want to uh, jump back to uh, Cast It Today. Yeah. Um, well, it's not exactly a Cast It Today, but something that really struck me watching this movie, uh, especially the first time we see the babysitter and she's being like all lovey. Er, uh, Evan Rachel Wood. Uh, Ooh. Mm, that's not a bad call. Um, but I was thinking she just totally felt like uh, Leah Thompson from Back to the Future. Oh, uh, they yeah. just had this very like yeah. sort of aggressively re. Uh, repressed sluttiness to it. I think that's that was a great like, Leah yeah. Thompson performance. Yeah, yeah. She really is very good. The like, first one, at least. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she, she's hamming it up. In yeah, the, the second one when she's got the boobs and the, yeah, yeah that's weird. But she's uh, very yeah. good at that 50s poodle skirt style innocence. But yeah. the, first, not- the first movie's magic. Yeah, the yeah. second and the third are treats for me. Yeah. They're still well, great. We, yeah, yeah. They, still yeah. great. They're just not the first. Yeah. The first I is- love the third. God, that's my favorite. But the Western one? Yeah. Oh, I can't get enough of it. Mr. Astwood. <laughs> Mr. Astwood. <laughs> we should You uh, forgot you your know. hat? <laughs> Mr. Astwood. <laughs> Better get used to these bars, kid. That I would like to point out one of the few true uh, yeah, one of the f- real true trilogies, um, rather than a movie with two sequels, as has been proven by the most recent Star Wars. No, don't, uh, don't, Sean. Hey, it was pretty good. Don't bring it up. I mm-hmm. liked it. You're, you're dumb. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a fine retort. Wow. I have a question, uh, Tim, uh, yeah. in, in relation to Back to the Future. Yeah. Are you upset with the age difference in Back to the Future 3 <laughs> between Doc Brown and Mary Steenburgen? And Mary Steenburgen? Well, that's got to be like 30 years, a, man. Let's suppose, because yeah. I thought that's she- big as the train I jump. I thought she was a spinster. Excuse you. What? Not that a they nice kinda, like. What do you mean she's a spinster? Like just an elder, like a, not a younger woman, but like probably There's middle still age. A difference though. She's so like, how old is she? But like, well, how old is he? He's either like fifty or eighty at Jeez. any given point. Like, <laughs> He's not you 50. have no idea how he, old he is. He was gray haired in on November fifth of nineteen fifty five. <laughs> Thirty years later, on in nineteen eighty five, he so, was blonde. He was like blondish. At the very least. They made him seem blonde in 55. He's at least 60, if not older than that. Nah, he's like 50 or 80. In 1955, he was at least 30. There is no way he is a day under 30. I'm going like, I want to say like 45, 50. 40. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So he's like pushing 70 70. by the time he's in the Old West. She, how old is Steen Virgin supposed to be? Yes. So she's 30 years younger than him. He's a genius. He's, this is gross too, but like... You know, so it's okay if he's... There's time travel and a floating skateboard, and I really, really, really like Huey Lewis in the news. These are all good points. Can't argue with that. Huey Lewis. Yeah. Also, DeLoreans are really cool cars. He also invented skitching. Did he? Use yourself? What? He, he didn't invent skitching, bud. What's, what's that? Skitching is the art of following a car. 
Well, on, yes, on a skateboard, skateboard by holding it yeah, onto the fender. Hitchhiking on a skate. Skitching was invented in like the 70s, dude, when skateboarding became popular. He did it in 1955. You're right. <laughs> You're right. Sean yeah. got you. Listen to this. Hey, you know my you know cousin new trick you're looking for? Marvin Barry. Yeah. It's your cousin, Barry. Barry Hawk. <laughs> you, you know that new trick you're looking for? 720 this? Well, listen to me describe this. <laughs> you know that GoPro that yeah, I got? Yeah, right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, a rat. But so, <laughs> yeah. Let's get back to it, guys. That was, that's all a rat. That's yeah. That was a rat. You know. We don't have any reviews, so we're going to move on. Yeah. Uh, well, do we have... We're about to. Let's let's rate it. I think we'll get back to our final reviews. Are we going to rate it? Oh. So let's start with you, uh, Mr. Sean Fall. Sean Fall. Sean Fall. Oh, I am going to give this movie oh, one and a half stars out of five. Um, I mean, it is... They met, what percent It's, it's a movie. Um, what is that? 25, uh, 30-ish, 35, somewhere in there. Ooh. Um, yeah. The, I mean, you, you know, know this has an 88% of Rotten Tomatoes? Yeah, that's dumb. That crazy. But it's one of those later reviewed ones, so it, everyone thinks it's a classic. So yeah, everybody's like, True. oh, it's old. Yeah, it's black and white. It must be ah, good. Ah, Victor. Yeah, this feels like a movie that was just really hacked out and thrown up and a fucking yeah just piece of shit to fill up the screens like yeah it doesn't feel like any effort was put in and no one gave a shit we got our paychecks and went home one day a cinematographer decided to do something cool and then like you know he got drunk for the rest of the time i don't fucking know um but yeah yeah one and a half stars okay I'm, oh uh, also the acting was just atrocious even the I, joker i, I mean he was acting his ass he off. Was, he, but he was interesting. Yeah, exactly, yeah. He was um, a character. It's he, like, he oh, was a, look at this guy. He was a cartoon in the middle of a mortuary. It was, it, you know, it, yeah. it's, it was at least something shiny to look at and a reprieve, an oasis in a desert, but it was by no means redeeming. That's a great point. Um, <laughs> he, he, he was great, but he was in the wrong movie. Yeah. But uh, my review- being a Tim Burton Batman movie. Yeah, true. Yeah, which or the Adam West. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Batman. It really makes me think a lot about Jeff the Nicholson. Riddler. I think yeah. based his uh, laugh on on Udo. Ah, mm. he had a wonderful laugh in the Adam West Batman. Yeah, yeah. I could see that. So I'm going to give this movie five out of ten. It is a. Damn. It's an okay mediocre, straight down the middle of the road film. Not good, not bad. It's just what it is. It's cookie cutter. It does have some nice stuff. And it does. It has some nice moments. There's some decent shots. There's some okay story moments. I did like the stuff with the kids. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. It's not, maybe I should give us a three You know, or that's four. actually interesting because the 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 prison warden also- <laughs> <laughs> what? You really like those pictures? Oh God! I love, <laughs> you know I like those pictures. That prison warden with I the like kids. kids. 
like kids always yeah. have. Yeah. You really um, like kids. So yeah, it's it's fine. It's definitely not something you have to watch. It's not something you like have to see historically. There are definitely other noir films, even we've seen so far, that are better than this. Yes. Um, so there's definitely better examples in that genre. Um, and also 1947, you'd think it'd have some sort of commentary on something. You know, you just finished World War II, one of the most influential, insane things that's ever happened in the history of humanity. Maybe say something about it, you know? Just have something about it. Have a guy coming home from World War II with PTSD and talk about how that affects the story. I don't know, something. At least have some sort, maybe not that, and that's shoveling it in. But, you know, have some sort of allegorical, metaphorical type of thing. Talk about something about the war, something about fascism, something about nationalism. I'll take anything other than just this is a straight ahead story of an ex-con who tries to protect his family and sacrifices himself. Which is a nice story, but I need a little bit more on the bone, I guess. As you were saying that, it just kind of struck me that, yes, I understand what you're saying, but like also from a historical perspective, if you were alive at that time, you might have had an ass load of that by now. Absolutely. I, 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 I wanted to mention that. I'm sorry. Continue. I was just I, kind of thinking I, about I like, like 9-11, you know, there was just like so much seriousness and so much like total drama. No right. one could be funny for like two years. And then all of a sudden it was okay. And then like, you know, that reprieve that, was just fucking fantastic. I think that's why you guys were comparing it to an action film, Schwarzenegger stuff like that, you know, a Stallone. I, that's why I would also compare it to a rom-com. I think it is just a you know, for people of 47, a two and a half hour, two and a half hour, Jesus Christ, two and a half hour reprieve from life. It's not something they have to think deeply about. It's, they, they don't have to it's invest in the half, characters yeah. deeply. You know, they know it's New York City. They know it's a story about mafia yeah. and crime. They know it's like a serial they can jump right into. Literally the purpose of a pulp novel. Yeah, like, I, I think that's, you're right. And I'm not, I'm not really focusing on that aspect of it. I'm looking at it more as, because we watched a lot of classics. I'm yeah. looking at, oh, is it influential? Is it a classic? Yeah. Is it historically significant? And you're right. That's not yeah. really fair all the time. It's, it's more of a post hoc fallacy. It's like, sorry. Uh, ad proctor hoc? Yeah, post hoc, yeah. Post hoc <laughs> ad no, pomp. Oh, fuck. Yes, I guess that's it. Post hoc ad proctor hoc? Yeah. Whatever. The fact is, <laughs> afterwards doesn't prove the fact that it was influential just because it's after. So I'm kind of looking for the influence there when it doesn't have to be. Um, it's just yeah. pulp. It's just entertainment. Sometimes it can just be an escape and fun. Tim, you're looking at me like I'm crazy. Um, is everything okay over there? No. <laughs> All right. Uh, What's your review of this film then? Yes and no. Mm. Uh, I agree with both of you. Yeah. First of all, well, I just made him agree with everything and nothing. So I, uh, well, I do. no, I agree with both in the ways that you guys disagree. I also disagree. <laughs> you know, I just, I don't think either of you are wrong, but in lieu of a review for this movie, I'm going to talk about, uh, the reason that I said, no, <laughs> my leg hurts really bad right now. I just, I have a lot of sciatic pain and, uh, and, it, I think I have like a pinched nerve in my lower back or something. Yeah. And so when I sit still for a really long time, it just kind of like, it just not, you know, just gnaws at me. And when something's going on, it doesn't bother me at all. Mm. Uh, and this movie sat still a lot. Yeah. You know, and it's just, it just gnaws at you. 
And that's my review. Yeah, a good movie makes you forget your pain. Exactly. And I was just painfully aware <laughs> of just, I, I, I spent most of this, like the when I wasn't dozing off, I was thinking like, man, my fucking leg hurts. Yeah. Like this movie just was really, really bland. Very, very, you it know, needed, just yeah, needed low, a lot. <laughs> low effort, low the effort. Dry but, toast of movies. But, you know, they, you know, it, it was, it was kind of a prefabricated home. Of a movie. I have a question. Um, A mobile home. I know we might have. We already kind of touched on this. It worked. The structure's there. Kind of. Tim, I have a question. Yeah, I think it's arguable. If you take a prefabricated home and you build it out of very nice material. Uh Uh-huh. For instance, if you take this- You build one out of straw and you build one out of sticks. Nick, blah, blah, blah. Cage. Cage. Victor Mature and you replace him with Cary Grant. Okay. What happens? You replace him with- Uh, I think that this movie, like- Gene Kelly. Does it save the movie, or does it, it, it could? Does it make it because tolerable? This the 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 prison scenes in this movie really made me think of Shawshank mm. a lot. I think because I was just trying to imagine a better movie, and <laughs> it was just like, well, it's prison. Uh, so it perhaps it could work as a uh, as a drama still if you put better actors in it. And had better dialogue. I just feel, um, I, I just feel like no. If you I, wrote a better script and had yeah, better yeah, actors in you, it, the thing is, is this story in and of itself, without like inventing a bunch of subplots and basically making a different movie, yeah. would be if interesting. Would be thirty minutes at most. My point is, it'd that- be a short film. I agree with you. Because there's nothing going on. Mm, and nothing happens. Unless this you had a really good actor that could actually carry these scenes. I don't like, know that there is one. You'd have to be a star that who you could do that. It'd have to be a star, though, that carries a lot of weight going into and the film. And it would have yeah. to be like an art film because, like, you'd have to, like, there's so much silence. Yeah, it's like, in, a, in it's, this. Uh, like a Clint Eastwood silence could actually do it. Um, I don't know, man. Those movies put me out, too. That's true. Yeah. You did you like Unforgiven? Uh you know, actually I fell asleep during Unforgiven. Mm. Okay. His newer movies are pretty good. Hey. I still haven't seen Richard Jewell. I I am interested in seeing that. Don't see that. Oh, I, I like the actor that uh is in that. He was in <laughs> he was in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah. Oh. He was the juggalo kid. Oh wow. Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Right, <laughs> I didn't see the uh, Tanya Harding movie. Supposedly he was great in I Tanya. Oh, oh yeah, yeah totally. I didn't see he's that either. The, yeah, he's, yeah, he's like the boyfriend or the yeah. The, oh, these the the um, security guard. I think from that too. Um, that was the actually one of the movies that made me realize that John Hamm is a one trick pony. Yeah. Um. Okay. Still haven't seen Uncut Gems. Uh, no, that just came out. I've heard. I've heard conflicting things about that. What okay? Well, let's, let's do actual recommendations, not things that we've heard. Okay. What have you seen that you would recommend? Oh God! You like the Mandalorian, clearly. I like the Mandalorian very much. Yes, I love Star Wars. You know, so they like they can do anything, and I'd like it. Oh, but I, I hate really, you. I really, I just I grew Lap up on it. it. It's it's like it's we all grew up my, on it. That's not an excuse. Whatever, man. Like it's my brother and I's like foundation of our whole relationship. You know, like, mm-hmm. it's just, I don't know. We really dig Star Wars. Uh, but uh, The Mandalorian specifically reminds me and my brother as well. We talk about this a lot of how dark the books were that we would read in the, mm. in the 90s. 
growing up. Well, uh, I have a question actually on that because um, so, I've never read any of the books. Yeah, is there one that you would recommend to start with? Oh, totally. Uh, I Jedi. I think it's by Michael A. Stackpole. Is that um, an Apple book? I have no idea. Probably. Uh, it's either Michael A. Stackpole or Timothy Zahn. Uh, I Jedi. It's the story of Corin Horn, which is some force sensitive fuck. I am the great Corin Horn. Yeah. Corin Horn. He's a Jedi in the EU. Um, that, and, that doesn't uh, exist the, anymore. The Yuzan, Fong, the Yuzan Vong uh, book series. I think Timothy Zahn wrote that. Uh, that's pretty good. Really good. And Kip Duran's whole arc. I don't know who wrote that, but that's Who's great. Who's a Thran? Grand, Grand Admiral Thrawn. Yeah, th- sorry, Thrawn. Uh, yeah, he's, uh, I believe he's the head of the Yuzan Vong, but I'm not entirely sure. Uh-huh. I'm just making words up now. I've heard of Thrawn. No, this too. is all. Yeah, but then, and my lo- brother, more so than me, he's about like five years older than me. He would read all these books when I was a kid, and I thought my brother was just the coolest dude in the world. So I would read these books too. But uh, it's really neat to see the. It's neat to see Star Wars spending all this, or Disney spending all this money on making these things come to life and giving people like John Favreau the latitude to make something so interesting and kind of off, you know, off the beaten path. You know, there, a lot of the episodes in the series were about nothing and were pretty slow. But it was just kind of world building and galaxy building. And that's the stuff that I, as a hardcore fanboy, really love. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I really enjoyed that. That makes it super rewatchable to me. I cannot wait to just watch these episodes like over diving and over in and a mile over. Deep and- mm-hmm. Well, it's just, it's so rich. It's, you know, it's the texture of Star Wars that I've been looking for for a long time and haven't so been getting. Do you like the weird aspect of Star Wars? Like when you watched The New Hope, was your favorite scene the cantina scene? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That stuff or the stuff that happens on the Death Star where you're just seeing different aspects of like, you know, how the stormtroopers operate or whatever. It's just such a complex galaxy. There's so much going on. It's like endless possibilities that have all been really well explored. So there's just all sorts of different, you know, it's like playing with a really expensive Lego set. You know, you've got all these cool toys to work with. You know, everything is interesting. I like everything. Fuck you, dude. <laughs> uh, Sean, did you like The Mandalorian? Um, it geeks out about stuff like that, too. Like, they talk about different, like, niche species that aren't mentioned. And they've got, like, Easter eggs everywhere all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, you see these, like, it's on a desert planet. And you see uh, uh, whatever species Salacious Crumb was from Jabba's Palace. He's always getting roasted on a spit. Good. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's I, I don't know. It's just constantly stuff like that. They're like it's, the chickens of the galaxy. The whole thing felt like fan service in a really cheesy but like super amazing way. It was almost like watching a home video. Mm. Do you like that term fan service? I've heard people who hate the term. I like it because I'm very cynical about a lot of things in regards to cinema. Do you think so, fan service is a negative though? No, I mean it, nothing's negative in capitalism. Like, <laughs> nothing is negative in capitalism. No, I thought honestly you would. Be there's the no ethical consumption under late capitalism. Jesus Christ. Um, Pinko. 
Well, <laughs> okay. I think Mandalorian was fine. It's uh, I it was, loved it. It was a good effort. Oh, it the was Bill a good, Burr episode was so good with no, uh, whoever, not, whoever the so talks. Good. It was okay. It was fine. It was okay. Man, Girl was, oh, it was great. Nothing happened. The season itself New has species, ups and downs. You get to see Twi'leks behaving differently. I need story. Uh, I, I need story. I need an overarching A story. And the, they didn't talk. They talked about it in the beginning episode. And they talked mm. about it in the end episode. And the, beginning, and the middle ones were just filler great they were interesting they look good great amazing music shot well cool pretty good acting except for the except for that bobby kind of son who was pretty shitty um but i think that um they just need to have more of an a story and just focus on that yeah the whole time i just i felt like there was a strong story that they just weren't telling us like it, it felt like things were going on in the background. It felt like a D and D adventure where the DM has this incredible backstory that we're supposed to be exploring, think, and we decide to run into the woods and you I know. I think it's hide. supposed to feel like, kind of off to the side. Yeah, yeah. And it's it, that's what I love about what Disney's doing with this stuff is they're giving us side stories. This is the first thing from Disney that I've enjoyed in it's the Star Wars so universe. Cool. Like, yeah, I, I I don't know. I'll lap everything up, but this in particular is my very favorite. Mm. My very favorite is still Knights of the Old Republic, the, the video game. Uh, uh, and the second one, too. Uh, Those are by just, far the most expensive. You just lent me uh, a video game today um, that I'm going to be trying. It's a Star Wars game. Fallen Order. Yeah. But Knights of the Old Republic is so expensive. You travel to many planets. You can Pretty choose cool. where to go. There's a whole bunch of different characters. They really expand on different creatures and characters and Ships and that's the kind of thing. If you really like deep stuff, play yeah. a, a big RPG, play a role playing game, and especially or read the books. Honestly, God, the books are actually really good. They're not they're, canon anymore. They're pretty, they don't matter. Whatever, dude. <laughs> Everything is kind of up for grabs because Grand Admiral thought Grand Admiral Thrawn is from the books and is also in the TV shows, Thrand. which are canon. So riddle me that, dude. Thrand. Well, they're just plucking what Thrand. they want. <laughs> Any other like um, recommendations? Sean? Grand Animal Thrand Um The only thing I've seen worth worth any while recently has been the the Mr. Eastwood's movie, Richard Jewell. Yes. Um, I did find it uh, more comedic than I expected. It's by no means a comedy, but it is um, definitely more light in moments than... I guess you would expect for that movie. Um, it seems like a total drama and it mostly is, but there's some, you know. What's your uh, star rating for that? Um, Richard Jewell is probably like a three out of five, three and a half out of five, something like that. It's worth checking out. Um, the other thing I'm going to say is worth checking out by no means because it's good, but just for the fucking sheer wonderment and oddity of it is Cats. Oh, man. Uh, oh, like, no. This is... This is this is this is a thing, man. He's, he's like, speechless. Well, it's one of those things where, like, I you know, growing up, you I heard about cats a lot. I like had this sort of perception of what it was in my mind, and then to see what it actually is is like I don't know. It's like finding out Santa Claus is actually the homeless man down the street. Mm. Like, you know, it's just like weird sort of disappointment of like, this is what you guys were all holding up for all these years and kept giving awards and kept giving billions of dollars to like, what the fuck is wrong with the world? And why is there so much value in this little like 
oddity of what should have been a random one man play in a shitty little theater somewhere all of a sudden becomes this world phenomenon that it's is just so it just seems to me they're just absolutely capitalizing Isn't on the that fact just that the people nature of the cats. world though it just there's a lot of cat people who are obsessed yeah. with cats yeah and they're like hey here's the show for you yeah. you have to come see the it the flavor of the week will always be cheap you know mm. well, it's, it's like weird Usually, out for spinsters what it's like Weird Al for spinsters. It, yeah. I, so it's like these like- What we, is it? What's the story? <sighs> so- Oh, no. No, you know what? Never no, mind. No, I don't no, want to know. It's a sentence. It is, there is no story really, but it is uh, cats are holding a talent show to decide who gets to die and come back as a better cat. Uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> so uh, like yeah. literally the entire mo- the entire movie the entire show apparently the actual play itself there are no spoken words everything is sung there's a few spoken lines in the movie which the hardcore people were complaining about uh, yeah. but the entire movie is basically each cat singing a song about this type of cat so I'm the cat that plays around the house and catches a mouse and, and then yeah so it's it's literally like a Weird Al song about each individual cat made for old cat ladies. Wow. Insane. Like as a a stage thing and like as a a concert, maybe it kind of works. But yeah. as a movie- As like a weird opera or yeah, something. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. As like even a tongue-in-cheek thing is like- It's kind of a shock show back. I could see that maybe, but that's never the impression I got yeah. from people that were actually into it. The yeah. theater people that I knew that loved cats, like held it up as a fucking like, you know, Les Miserables sort of masterpiece of fucking, you know- Art. And I think that this people, is what it is. Hullabaloo. I knew people uh, who knew, who like went and saw the play and were like, this is overrated. Mm. So I was able to avoid it. <laughs> that was actually your mom's comment on my fucking review. Yeah, uh, she was she like, me, <laughs> she yeah. said she saw it originally and fucking hated it. <laughs> yeah. And I basically heard from her and then many other people too, but I was just like, you know, this is something I can skip because she would take me to Broadway and see me see a play. You know, we are, we're in Philly. We're not that far. La di da. Mr. Fancy Pants with his two doctor parents over there. Oh, boy. <laughs> We're going to Broadway. Ah, put on your spats, son. Put on my spats. <laughs> uh, you need a monocle? We don't have spats. We have taluses. I don't even know what that is. I only learned what spats was like fucking three episodes ago. So Nice. <laughs> Timely. <laughs> Um, okay, let's move on, guys. Uh, are you done with Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I, I would recommend, uh, I just started a new podcast series. Oh, Jesus Christ. No, I got turned on to a new podcast series. Uh, recently, a fella named Ram Das died. Oh. Um, yeah. Uh, Duncan Trussell? Richard Alpert. Oh. Uh, he was Timothy Leary's assistant yeah. in Harvard, and mm-hmm. they invented acid together, and, uh, uh, Timothy Leary went to prison, and I guess Richard Alpert went to India. And uh, Wait, Richard Alpert is Ramdas, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, and became Ramdas at some point, but uh, 150 hours of his lectures, oh shit, uh, were released for free on hmm. the podcast network. I got turned on to that by a friend of mine. Um, 
Marisa Sturt. She's got a show called The Healing Powers. I'm saying her name because I'm plugging her show, That's, you fuck. That was fine. Uh, <laughs> no, she's got a show called The Healing Powers that she's doing. I, I don't know too, too much about it, but I do know that she's pretty cool and that uh, I'm sure the show's probably great too. What's the name of the Ramdash? Uh, uh, the Ramdash thing is- Lecture is, series? It, it's, he's part of a foundation. Well, he wrote a book called Be Here Now, but basically, if you just go to the Apple podcast yeah, app and just search for his lectures, yeah. it's uh, Ramdas <laughs> here and now. Sorry. Jesus Christ. What are you doing, man? This is so bad. Can oh we end God. this podcast before <laughs> he just hijacks it? Okay. Uh, next week is going to be my pick. Uh, I don't know. What yeah. I'm what are you going to do? I was going to pick It's a Wonderful Move Life, but I don't, I can't. Too late now, man. We got to wait till next year. Before I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Sorry, guys. I'm uh, be a surprise. No, 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 no. It, 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 it'll be interesting. But uh, are you, uh, is there anything that you've seen or that uh, you're you listening no to? No recommendations? Honestly, I haven't really been watching no much. I've watched Mandalorian. Uh, um, yeah. I recently rewatched Grizzly Man. Yeah. Uh, you know, I always recommend Werner Herzog. I always recommend Werner just Herzog. Just as a dude, like track him I down, just, hang out, have I, a beer. I took a Werner Herzog authorship course in college, and I guess I was just really at the right impressionable time. And he's just got a perfect distaste for humanity. Mm, yeah. um, nature. Nature. Western humanity and nature. Really everything. Just, yeah, distaste for life. You know, a general curmudgeon. Yeah, I just love him. I I fell in love with his work. Uh, I've mostly seen only his films before 1980, so I can really only speak for a lot of his, like, earlier documentaries and stuff. What's your favorite? What would you recommend? Uh, I would say for his narrative film work, I would recommend Strozek, which was a film that he did with an actor, Bruno something or other. Mars. Uh, uh, No. Uh, Bruno some or other uh, that he found as as a nobody actor and cast originally in a movie called The Enigma of Casper Hauser. Um, but documentary wise, I would my personal favorite is a film called Fata Morgana. Uh, it was made in 1967. He went to Africa to shoot a uh, a science fiction movie, s- reportedly, and. Uh, Nobody really knows what happened with that movie, but what he came back with, he turned into Fata Morgana. And it's this very strange, spacey documentary that's just a lot of tracking shots and desert shots set to this weird voiceover of a uh, uh, of a creation myth. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. In, I believe it's in several different languages intermittently. And it's notable because a lot of Werner Herzog's documentaries are uh, with him doing the voiceover. Uh, this one isn't. Uh, I also like Werner a lot. I would recommend, if you just like nature documentaries, I'd recommend yes. Cave of Forgotten Dreams. Yeah. Very good about the Chauvet Caves, which is uh, actually not the oldest anymore because they recently found older cave paintings. But uh, it was the oldest at the time, cave paintings that we ever found. Really good movie, a really good, like, immersive documentary. You got to go inside these caves where you can't really go and shoot, like, 3D and great sound, actually. I also love Fitzcarraldo, and I also love the documentary about Fitzcarraldo, which is really interesting about the making of it, where you actually had to take a ship and carry it above a hill Mm. with ropes, and he actually had to make his crew do it, which is insane. Yeah, it was kind of a, like, uh, he was tried for crimes, like, against humanity for that because people died. Yeah. Yeah. 
to watch an that. Interesting thing. There also, uh, my they, best fiend is also a really, right, I was gonna say, a his really interesting insight. There's another documentary. I'm Klaus trying to find Kinski. the name of it. It's about Russian mysticism. Uh, that he made. It was like in the late 80s or early 90s. But his best work, I think, is the stuff that he takes really long breaths with. There's certain- What do you mean? There's certain movies where he really takes time to reflect. And there are certain shots that are just um, almost- uh, Meditative? Just meditative, absolutely. Yeah, and it, I, I think that that stuff's really, really beautiful. You're absolutely right. There's a shot I'm thinking of from Cave of Forgotten Dreams. Yeah. Where he basically puts a heartbeat in and has the camera just pan as you look through in the cave. Oh, and yeah. And it's like 30 seconds of you just listening to your uh, this heartbeat. Yeah. And you're just watching and experiencing. And it's really good. There's this, uh, there's this scene, or shot, rather, in uh, this Russian uh, faith documentary that I'm trying to remember the name of him failing. Uh, but it, it's just uh, staring at this guy who's dressed like Jesus Christ for like maybe a full minute while he's just standing on a frozen lake. And it's just a perfect shot. It's really it's pretty. I like that weird shit. Happy people. A year in the taiga? No, not that one. I think it's like for whom the bell tolls or something. Oh. Or the bells of blah, blah, blah. Something about bells. Tolls for thee. No. Drums of winter? No. All right. Bells no. from the Deep. Bells from the Deep. Bells from the Deep. 1993 documentary film. All right. Uh, let's end this, baby, and land this plane. Yeah, if you haven't gotten enough uh, Werner Herzog, go ahead and check out a little show called The Mandalorian. It's quite He's good. in that as well. He yeah. is. Um, um, okay, let's make sure you guys please- Oh, I watched the movie American Assassin. <laughs> Great. It's bad. Don't watch it. Yeah, don't. Let's make sure you guys watch and, sorry, watch, listen to our other podcasts. We have text before calling literally literary politics green going down on South Park. What else do we have? Wild, 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 West World. That exists. The Podcaststudios.com. Make sure you guys donate Buy to our Patreon. Donate Buy to the Patreon. Subscribe, please. Give us yes. five stars, if you please. Right into the P.O. box. You can text me. Don't text me. Check us out on the Tim. Twitters. We you got uh, at J O E B O N I E R. You can text me at, uh, at text B for calling. And then, yeah. uh, where are you, Timothy? You can email me at timothy.jf.snow at gmail.com. And, and I'll give you my phone number. Or you can find me on my Instagram where I do bad art. And that's at timothy.j.snow. Instagram. Or I'm also on Hinge. <laughs> Oh, no one wants to find you. There. Hinge. The uh, it's a, oh, is that the three-way side? Yeah, 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 if you found Tim side. on Hinge, sorry. Yes. Yeah, if you, <laughs> if you find me on Hinge, please report me to the authorities. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>